promoting female musicians and artists. Today, I am joined by Josephine Vandergoot from London alt-pop duo Oh Wonder. Josephine, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be in a female-focused uh, thing. It's very rare. Yeah? That it's, it's only, like, because my, my counterpart, Anthony, has not been invited, which I'm buzzing about. I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> well, you're number 49 in the all-female podcast, so wow. we're going strong. Well done. <laughs> Love it. Excellent. You have an album coming out very shortly. I do, yes. But you also released a clip uh, for the single Happy. Yes. I saw that clip multiple times and I'd like to know how it feels to be in that makeup that makes you look like an old person. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. We did a, a a music video that basically imagines if we'd split up as a band and then we get reunited when we're like in our... I, we were supposed to be 80s, but I looked like 150. I'm like... Yeah, the, the top comment on YouTube currently is, why does Josephine look like a Burns victim? It didn't... <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was insane. We went to this like crazy FX studio in London, which is like the place that made like the Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire prosthetic mask. Oh, my and, God. And like, they've cast like Jack Nicholson and Judy Dench and Michael Jackson. They had all like the masks on the wall. It's crazy. And then they kind of cover you in plaster. Um, kind of like a diving bell like helmet and you basically obviously with your eyes closed and they put it in your ears so you just lose all your senses and you have to sit there for 15 minutes whilst this thing hardens and then that's how they make this like prosthetic cut so it's the weirdest thing I've ever done how do you breathe? You well through your nose they poke a hole in one of your nostrils love it okay and then um and then you kind of sit there and feel really really weird because you can't hear or see anything and someone's like touching you being like are you okay and you're like with your thumb up like yeah I'm kind of okay and then um and then on the day, we were in makeup for like seven hours whilst they layered up this skin on my face. And I have a really saggy chin in the video. And they were like, we don't have time to fix it. So <laughs> hence the weird saggy chin comments on YouTube. How, how long does it take? to? So you sit there for 15 minutes and they make the cast. Yeah. And then you come back like a week later or how long does it take to uh, make It was like it? probably yeah, a couple of weeks. It takes a while because um, I have to like cast it in, I guess it's like rubber. I don't even know. And then, and then they take seven hours to like attach it to your face and then paint it so they basically build it up to be wrinkly it's so weird it's like a, a crazy process i have like mad respect for fx departments i feel films. like i'd be kind of claustrophobic if i did oh, that no it's horrible it's so gross it's exactly claustrophobic but and you're like there's you're just devoid of all your senses it's horrible it's like nothing i've ever done i've seen filming for video clips it takes ages to do the filming right as in to make a make a video. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were shooting for like sixteen hours for that like four minutes. Wait, but that mean so you it took you seven hours to get it on, or you were doing that like repeat on different no, days. No, so we were there at three in the morning. We this was in Bulgaria. It was shot, so we 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 arrived at three a.m. We were in makeup till about ten a.m. and then we were shooting till yeah like midnight. Basically, it's a long day. It's a long day. It's a long day. Music videos are the the toughest, like the but the most enjoyable also. Mm. Yeah. You spoke about the kind of, I guess the narrative running through the song because it's almost like through the film clip you it's like the band breaks up and then you have kind of two versions 
of the song yeah. running throughout. And I thought there was a pretty big reaction on the, like when you announced that, because you kind of announced it on your Facebook, like as if you were splitting up, oh, right? Oh no, it all went wrong. It was like a genius marketing plan gone very wrong. Okay. Um, so yeah, the, in the video we, we, we split up, it's like in January 2020, I wanted to split up and Anthony goes off and is like doing this kind of crazy, um, almost like Brian Eno-esque sound mm. recording of like the wind moving. And I'm like, <laughs> I just go off and be like a total hippie artist and join a commune. Um, um, and sorry, what was your question? The about like so. When oh, you... oh, sorry, the splitting up of us. Sorry. Yeah. So in the video, we split up and we go off and embark on these solo careers. And we were like, oh, it would be genius to um, replicate that on social media. So we were like, we should just announce that we've broken up. But kind of, but I thought I'd done it really obviously and been like, hey guys, me and Anthony have parted ways, and you know I'm going to be a solo artist now. Can't wait. And I thought it was like really obvious i guess it's my british sarcasm okay it's my, my style of humor <laughs> which clearly did not translate to the rest of the world and we got thousands of messages being like can't believe you guys have split up you've soundtracked so much of my life how do i get refunds for my tickets for your tour and i was like what this has gone so wrong okay um and then we sweated for a couple of days and then we were like, guys, we haven't split up. But people still think we've split up. I still saw a, a tweet the other day that was like, oh, it's so good that you guys are like finishing the tour before you break up for real. It's mental. People are people are gullible. <laughs> it's sort of like you made a flippant comment and yeah. then people took it heaps seriously. Ooh, I know, so bad. I You say it was like it was a genius stroke gone wrong, but mm. if it causes a lot of people to talk about it, does that mean it's gone right? I guess not if they're wanting a refund uh, for their tickets. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be like, what, are you going to ship me my album? Um, I guess it's like that phase of, of like all publicity is good publicity. Um, but yeah, we had like an insane like amount of like views and hit or profile views or whatever. But um, I'm just very concerned that people still think we're, we're broken up. I have no idea if it's good or not. Who knows? How does those kind of, so you kind of made that decision, that like publicity decision. Mm. Are you having meetings about that? Like with the label and stuff? Or I mean, you just do it? Yeah, we, yeah, there's like a conversation of like, we have like a general plan of how we're going to, not necessarily all social media posts, but like how we're going to market a video, for example. There's like a, there's like a discussion with a team of people that are like, suggest ideas. Um, so yeah, that was like a suggested idea that we were like, this will be great. Um, but we didn't roll it out the whole way because we got too nervous and just had to announce that it okay. was all a ruse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess everything is kind of a big experiment, right? For sure. The whole, yeah, like life is, right? Being in a band definitely is an experiment. I don't think anybody knows what they're getting into when they start a band. I certainly didn't. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. You, on the topic of being in a band, I saw on the internet that you've done 318 headline shows as O Wonder. You have done heaps of touring. You've been yeah, yeah touring quite a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah. That means you've been in lots of hotels. <laughs> I've been in quite a few hotels, but not as many as you. Okay. So I was wondering, when you like get to the hotel, you're heaps tired, you've like got your bag, you're up to the room, you do swipe the card, yeah. in for the first time. Yeah. Do you, you have like a you routine? You get in if you're lucky. Like The amount of hotel key cards that don't work, man. I'm like I should I should have done like hotel statistics at this point. Um, yeah, we're pros at hotel rooms, is which is really depressing actually. And I've eaten so much room service in my life; it's so gross. Um, eating a lot of mashed potato in bed actually. Okay, <laughs> my go-to move. Living that, the dream. Yeah. <laughs> Watch me go. Um, 
Yeah, routine. At the moment, we have um, it's really cool. Like we've we've got a piano in wherever we go in the hotel room. So like we're just staying around the corner from from here in Surrey Hills, and we got a piano. So like we set it up as soon as we landed um, and got into the room this morning, and we've like finished a song. So we like work in hotel rooms quite a lot. It's a really cool because um, you get loads of time right when you're traveling and touring and doing promo and stuff so you have hours to kill and we often like explore a city but also if you're feeling creative and there's a piano there then like boom so we just like we wrote a song in um where we've just come from bangkok which we just kind of recorded a vocal for just now it's really cool okay yeah so for you i think that's probably that's very different i guess to my experience <laughs> setting up the piano <laughs> do you mean like you order a piano to be in your room or you have like a yeah, stand-up so piano that you take with you everywhere well either or like if we're touring we'd obviously have a piano with us but like for example now in australia we don't so um the label have very kindly put a piano like hired a piano for a couple of days Whoa. which is re- like the biggest privilege ever because obviously i miss my instrument so much when when i'm away and i don't have one so mm. yeah it's awesome very you, lucky you mentioned traveling and touring in the same sentence just then but i'm interested to hear your take on the difference between doing what you're doing now yeah. touring crazy whatever running around and all yeah. the stuff and then traveling for a holiday Oh, God. Um, so, like, when I go on tour and I come home, my mum is always like, how was your holiday? I was like, mum, it was not a holiday. <laughs> Generally, if you're touring, um, you're sleep-deprived and um, you're in, like, this weird bubble where touring is... Ah, oh, touring is so weird. How do you explain touring? So, like, travelling, I guess, most people would know if, you, if you've travelled a little bit, you have, like, an amazing insight into one specific culture or, or, or place, typically. You don't, well, unless you're doing, like, a round-the-world trip. But, like, you spend, like, a good week in a, in a place. Like, you get to experience the language, the culture, the food, the people. You get, like, a real kind of awareness of a place. Whereas when we're touring, you have probably, like, four hours to experience a whole country. So we've been to, like... 43 countries but I say I've been to 43 countries like I've been to Colombia and I've spent a day off in Bogota but I wouldn't say like I've been I've traveled around Colombia so Mm. um touring is touring is really weird it's very lonely touring especially being a woman um because all of my band and crew are men so I'm traveling with 13 men across American Europe it would be like on a tour bus as well so you're like sleeping with everyone and you're just waking up in a random city so like you have Oh, it's weird. Touring's insane, though, because you have the show in the evening, which is the most unbelievable hour. It's like the most adrenaline-fueled, glorious hour that you could imagine, um, coupled with then, like, going back to a hotel room and, and, like, being so tired, and all you want to do is get into bed and eat mashed potato, but you feel like this obligation to explore the place that you're in because you're so you know, privileged enough to be in, I don't know, Argentina with, an, with you know, an evening off. But actually so many mm. times I've just got into bed, put Netflix on and fallen asleep and you feel like really guilty for that. Um, but then you're like, I'm being paid to be here. Like people are, are, you know, saving up their money and watching me perform. So I have to treat mm. it like a job. But yeah, anyway, it's, it's, they're, they're totally different things. But you also realize like how small the world is. This is what I've realized like touring is my one takeaway is that having been to like so many different places and met, um so many people and like you get you know you're hanging out with like your local marketing team or whatever so you get to know people and spend a day with a stranger from that city and you get the sense or at least i do that actually whilst the world is huge humans are actually very what's the word like we're all we're all the same like we all 
want the same things out of life. We all strive for contentment or happiness. We all try and practice compassion for ourselves and other people. We're all hustling. We're all trying to make the best of a situation. We're all trying to forge relationships and friendships with people. So actually, like the bigger, the the more you, of, of the world that you see, the smaller you realize the world is. Mm. And actually, like language and food and culture is just like a the thing that separates us. But actually, like human nature is is the same and that's like a really humbling thing to to have realized over the last few years that yeah like and now like the concept of like borders or war just like freaks me out because i'm like how can you segregate people so viciously or like i don't know it's that's pretty deep but um yeah that's what i've i've it did get a bit profound but it's, <laughs> it's cool that you kind of it's not just you heard that you actually had that experience of going to all those countries and being able to yeah, experience that the differences are kind of maybe in our mind. <laughs> yeah, no, they they fully are. Like mm. most people are just good people, you know. Um, yeah, it's cool. You can have connections with people even when you don't necessarily speak the same language. Like we shot a music video, flipping hell, was that last night? Last night in Bangkok in a tuk-tuk. And like I'd never met this guy before. He was just taking photos. I was like, you should come shoot a music video. And he couldn't speak any English. But we <laughs> shot the most beautiful video of us driving around Bangkok in a tuk-tuk. It's like... How have we just had this mad creative connection and we can't even speak the same language? Mm. Blows my mind. It's amazing. Let's listen. <laughs> Let's listen to some Oh Wonder music. Sweet. Your album comes out on the seventh of Feb. Yes. And the the recent single that was released is called Happy. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to that right now. Boom. Sleeping, wide awake and dreaming 
single happy from Owanda. I'd like to talk about the experience of making the album because mm. I know that from your third album's coming out on the 7th of Feb, mm-hmm. the experience of making your first and second album I understand were very different because the mm-hmm. first one was more making a series of singles once a mo- once a month yes. and then uh, then you had an album. Yes. Whereas the second one was more of a concerted asset. You were thinking about the concept of an album and working towards an album. So those are the kind of ends of the spectrum. It's a very different experience. Totally, yeah. Can you fill us in on how this third one fits into that spectrum or is it completely different? How does it compare? Um, it's probably a happy medium. We made it actually very similarly to the first one in the respect that we made the first one in like a shed at the end of my parents' garden over the course of a year. Um, and it was just the two of us. And the second album, compar- and we, yeah, it took our time. The second album, comparatively, we made um, in a studio. We basically wrote it all and recorded it all. We wrote it all in like six weeks, recorded it in 10 days. And it was kind of handed in in between two tours. So it was like super, what's the word? Like, I guess, reflective of, of that specific time, um, which was basically touring and playing festivals. So it's like super live and festival kind of feeling for us anyway and then um this album we made we went back to kind of where we started and we've got a studio at the end of our garden back home in london and we made the whole thing in that in that room which was so cool um to be at home we have a dog so it's just like super chill we took like six months and we'd like basically wake up make breakfast eat breakfast write a song record a song and that was what we did for like six to eight months and it was awesome so good. So it was in a garden shed, but a different garden shed. I mean, it's I say garden shed. It's a, it, we built like a recording studio at the end of our garden. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was an upgrade from the garden shed of the first album. Yeah, but it was it was so so. Therefore, it has like this super like intimate, cozy, very personal feel. I think compared to our previous songs. I understand what you mean by it's a happy medium mm. because you were aiming towards an album, but it kind of wasn't a compressed. Ten days in a studio is tough. Oh, it was Doing brutal. everything in 10 days. It was brutal. We just didn't sleep. Yeah. yeah. It was intense. So this was, I guess, a more of a relaxed. But are you doing, you mean you're recording everything yourself or you're getting engineers? No, we did everything ourselves. Whoa. Okay. Like recorded, uh, recorded it, wrote, wrote it, recorded it, produced it. We mixed the first two albums ourselves. This one we co-mixed with someone just to help relieve a bit of pressure. So we like mixed it to like a point and then handed it to okay. one of our favorite mixing engineers. So it is kind of similar to the first one then, I guess. Really similar, yeah. Are you using the same equipment or did you level up? Uh, We've like kept some stuff, leveled up some stuff um, where we can, um, but like the the same pianos on the record, like a lot of our instruments are the same. Um, we got a new computer because that died after two albums. <laughs> it was like okay. no more, please. no more. <laughs> um, yeah, but a lot of a lot of similar stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. When people try to get you down, remember that I'm here for you. No one else can wear your crown. It's yours, just yours. Yeah. That's the first line in the album. It is. That's the first time anyone's recited that back to me. Normally, I'm like, people are like, where's the album title from? And I have to say that, and it's really weird because I'm just speaking lyrics. Thanks for saying that. I did a bit of research. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> so I'd like to, could you unpack the lyric for us and then also Absolutely. explain why that was the one that stuck out? Um. Okay, so the lyric is basically, the al- that, that means like, 
I guess the, the metaphor of a crown is that I think that everybody in the world has their own metaphorical crown, i.e. you are the king slash queen, um, the ruler of your life. You are in charge and you can make the rules and you can live the life you want to live. And I believe that um, it's really important for people to embrace that because so often we are swayed by public opinion, personal opinion, the opinion of our peers or our family or our friends or our partners of what we should do with our lives, how we should behave, how we should act, how we should dress, all that kind of stuff, who you should believe in, who you should love. Those things are entirely our own decisions as as, as humans. And um, so I guess that lyric, we wrote that song, um, which was just like, a, it's like a, that's my favorite song on the album, the opening song. It's like a weird reflection of just life. And um, that lyric just like stuck out as like the theme of the album. Um, so I guess we called it that because I spent that whole year off basically in therapy trying to undo my internal frustration and confusion at why my parents up until the age of like 23 was like, you shouldn't do music, you can't, you shouldn't do it, you won't make it, you'll be a failure kind of attitude. They didn't say that explicitly, but they were like, I wanted to go to music college. They were like, no, 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 you should get a proper degree, you should be a lawyer, X, Y, Z. And um, so I did. I went to study English literature at uni and all I wanted to do was do music. And it took me like up until now. So that's like a whole 10 years later to kind of realize that I was just living out what they wanted me to do for that for my life. You know, which, and I'm still incredibly privileged and so lucky. But like my voice disappeared, basically, when mm -hmm. I had when you're an adult and you turn 18, you you know, you think oh, I have agency, I have power. And actually, I was still living out, you know, someone else's fantasy. So it's basically a big old F you to, to not my parents specifically, but just like also people like naysayers over the years that are like, oh, you shouldn't even bother like 0.1% of people make it in music. So don't bother trying, go do something, you know, stable and safe. And I just think, you know, if people have passions and things they want to pursue, like nobody else should stop you from, from doing that. Like nobody else knows how your brain works, how your life is, you know, you can't, how can you comment on someone else's decisions? It's insane. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's basically the result of a year of unpacking that. <laughs> and it's worked out pretty well it's so far, if we're being well. honest. <laughs> yeah. I think I blame capitalism because oh. you mentioned the idea of like safety. Don't do the thing you really want to do because maybe you just need like a superannuation or whatever. Right. That's the, so the lyric in, in Dust is, um, why do we, why the one of the lyrics is, why do we need all that money to buy another dream? It's like the whole, yeah, I'm, I'm, um, with you on that. It's, we're sold this idea of like. I don't know, you just have to get ahead. And in order to do that, it's just all about money and consumption. The consu Oh, man, the more you travel the world, you more. there's so much stuff in the world that people manufacture just to sell to other people. It's crazy as a concept. Mm. Anyway, that's besides the point. I'm reading an awesome book at the moment called How to Do Nothing, which is unbelievable. It's like totally anti-capitalist, but totally beautiful. Recommend it to anyone listening. Okay. Um. Anyway. Shout out to that <laughs> author. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the author. Anyway, it's fine. Look it up. <laughs> um, and you're also playing a show in Sydney, which actually is going to happen before this is released, but it's on Crown Street. It is, yeah. Was that purposeful? Uh, yes. Cool. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yep. There was a lot of foresight that went into that decision. Yeah. That's and it news. was a great gig, I, I hasten yeah. to add, seeing as we are two weeks on from it. Yeah. One of my favourite gigs of all time, in fact. Okay. Um, if only the people went to that gig. <laughs> <laughs> missed out, missed out, yeah. Speaking of gigs in places, you are playing at Rough Trade East. Yes. In London. Yeah. Around, I think it's the 12th, just after it it's is. released. Yeah. It's the best. I used to work there. I was the Sunday girl there when I was 18. Oh my God. Yeah. So on Brick very, Lane. On Brick Lane. I worked there every Sunday. 
I got paid £35 for doing 10 hours, which is definitely slave labour. Um, mm, yeah. And then I would spend, I'd get given £35 in cash and I would then just buy all the vinyl. Sure. So I was just <laughs> only working there just to get a discount on vinyl. You might vinyl, have made basically. it like a net loss. Yeah. <laughs> but again, we don't care about capitalism. It's fine. Exactly. And um, so, yeah, it's really weird to be going back and playing because I used to like host all the in-stores and like would wristband people and stuff. And I was, <laughs> it's, it's really, really weird. weird. Yeah. So maybe I was just going to say that the best in-store that I've been to is at Rough Trade East. Oh, no way you've been. Yeah. Wh- who did you see? Uh, Jade Bird. Oh, sick. I saw her there. I was there in April. April. Of the last year? Yes. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it's I a cool store, hey? In the UK for a couple of conferences, but oh. I, in my stolen moments, I went to Rough Trade East. Nice one. And then I got a curry on Brick Lane because that's... Yes. That's what you do. What you need to do. Absolutely. Oh, sick. Yeah, it's such an awesome shop. You know the photo booth in there? I was the first person in the world to use the photo booth. I tested it out. It's wow. my claim to fame. You must have been stoked working there as an 18-year-old. Oh, it was unbelievable. Just surrounded by, so- like, I remember, like, their, because their album choices, they have an album of the, the month, but they have, like, backup album choices. So, like, for a whole year, I was just listening to, like, the 15, and you play them in the shop, right, to try and, like, mm. sell them, and, mm. and not sell them, but, like, ad- you know, advise customers. And I just remember when that first Bon Iver record came out, they were, like, on it like a bonnet, and they were, like, just anybody that comes in wanting this just recommend Bon Iver. and I just remember being like, Bon Iver's amazing! <laughs> and it was, like, the first, it was so cool. No one had heard of him. And, uh, yeah, anyway, it was it was a wicked time. I learned so much. Have you played there before with no. I Wonder? No, 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 no. First time. People in London should definitely go to that. Yeah, it's 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 sold out, which is sick. Um, but yeah, you should if you're listening from London. D- sorry, you didn't come see us at the next one. <laughs> you're doing signings as well. <laughs> yeah, we will actually. Yeah, um, which is weird that my vinyl's going to be in there. It's so weird. My 18 year old self is freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. That's amazing. It's very cool. for the segment tell me a thing where I have a list of seven topics and I ask you to tell us about one of them the topics are musical equipment recording equipment poetry politics Patti Smith death and punk rock Josephine can you please tell us a thing God, this is, I feel like we need you need a theme tune for this part do you know what I mean like some tense music you think it needs to be more dramatic the segment do you know what I mean I um, might like use that audio later so yeah, yeah perfect just <laughs> add some like delay onto it it'll sound okay. epic um, <laughs> I'm gonna pick musical equipment uh, just a fun anecdote that wrapped up my 2019 so I have we last year I bought myself a Steinway grand piano which um, was like my dream since I was ever I can remember um I got my first piano when I was 15 my first real piano and I was playing on the keyboard since the age of four before that having classical lessons but never playing a real piano and I swore to myself that the minute I could I'm going to buy myself a Steinway grand piano so I bought one and literally the week before Christmas we were home from a, a massive uh promo trip around Asia and my friend was like oh hey my boiler's broken in my flat can I come and use your shower and I was like absolutely no problem come on over we were shooting a music video She's using my shower. At four o'clock in the afternoon, I get this call from her. She's like, hey, um, I've just taken a shower and I've come downstairs and there's like water dripping from your your living room ceiling. And I was like, uh-huh, right. What, like, what, which bit of the house? She was like, well, it's like in your living room. I was like, it's not near the piano, is it? Like the, the, the dripping water. She was like, yeah, it's directly above the piano. I was like, 
right well have you have you like covered it or what's the vibe here she was like no should i what should i i was like go and get blankets go get towels go and get my duvet just like cover the piano stop the water dripping put anything under it to avoid it getting because it's wood right side note these pianos take something like 80 people 200 they take like three years to build they're like a unbelievable work it's all wood and it's like steam bent it's like the most beautiful thing i've ever seen and i'm like cover the piano do not let water get into it because it's wood right and it will just expand and shrink mm. and die um get home the whole piano is flood, flooded oh, it, oh. <laughs> uh, this is just the week before christmas um so this is like my prized possession it's what we recorded our whole album on it's what we wrote all of our album at this particular piano right it's like my my lifelong dream and I come home and it's like completely, it's like soaking wet. There's like water falling out the bottom of the keybed. Call up my piano technician. I'm like, dude, what's the vibe here? He's like, it's ruined. Get the guy from the starting oh. my company out, comes over. He's like, yeah, we're going to have to replace the whole thing. Um, fortunately, I have insurance, thank the Lord. You have piano insurance? I do. I have specific insurance for it, um, for things like this. But anyway, turns out my friend took a 40-minute shower in my house. I don't know what you're doing in the shower for 40 minutes. Anyone who does that long, please let me know what you're doing. And she'd flooded the whole bathroom, which had flooded out of the bathroom, into my hallway and through the floorboards. So she's basically just taken a really long shower and written off the instrument that we wrote a whole album at. Even so. if you have a shower for 40 minutes, like the normal kind of physics of a shower, it shouldn't be in the lounge room. No. You would think. And you'd be, she'd be like, it would have backed up, right? So she'd have been stood in like inches of water. The whole thing was very odd. And then she just didn't apologise, so that's where we're at now. Oh, my God. So now I don't have a piano. It takes eight months to fix because they have to be shipped to Germany. It's like a whole thing. This is so like a really sad tell-me-a-thing. It's, te- it's a terrible, terrible, terrible tragedy. But you know what? It's an instrument. I'm alive, and I'm not dead. My piano is dead. I should have picked death, maybe. It's like a combo of death and musical yeah. equipment. And death recording of equipment. Instrument. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what, what can we learn from this tragedy? What we can learn is accidents happen. I realised that I thought I was really mean as a human, and I actually realised that I have way more compassion than I think. I think as a result of having a year's worth of therapy and learning to have compassion for myself, and therefore you have compassion for others, that I just went, accidents happen, it's okay. Which is a, the like possibly the saddest single thing to happen to me in my life. Like my, it's like my child is just mm. gone. It's like a one of a kind. You play like ten pianos to find that one. Um, so have compassion for yourself and have compassion for others, and the world is a better place. And then there's no anger or rage. That's on, the moral of that story. On that note, <laughs> Josephine van der Goot, thank you so much for coming on Thanks Women Who Rock. Me, it's Matt. been a blast. It's been awesome. Thank you. Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3. Never thought I'd be happy to see you with